Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. In recent posts, we've considered the need for compromise and mutual concessions in any relationship. We've also explored my proposal that intimate relationships can be sorted into two general categories based on the associated level of emotional commitment, core relationships and non-core relationships, which we might describe by terms such as peripheral or secondary or lovers as distinct from partners. While avoiding the potential morass of imposing a hierarchy on relationships, we noted that this distinction has implications for how we manage our relationships. In this episode, we'll tackle the difficult question of what gauges we can apply to a particular relationship to decide whether it's a core relationship for us. Let's do a quick refresher. In our previous episode, we proposed a graphical way in which we can depict our individual set of important relationships. Our relationships can be shown as two concentric circles, with the size of the inner circle being proportional to how many emotionally committed relationships we maintain, while the area of the outer circle represents how many uncommitted relationships we're involved in. There are some people who are in numerous uncommitted relationships, but only zero, one, or very few committed relationships. Such people might exemplify what I call broad polyamorous relationships. The latter were described in episode 2-23, Focus in Relationships. Others might maintain one or perhaps a very few deeply emotionally committed relationships and only a few non-committed relationships. Such individuals practice either monogamy or what I call narrow polyamory. In an intimate relationship, the circles representing two people come together and potentially overlap. That's when things can get interesting in the relationship. One member of a couple may desire to be in a committed relationship with the other to create a partnership. Alternatively, a person may wish to invite the other into an uncommitted relationship so as to not incur obligations or a reduction of total personal freedom. That's what I refer to as a lover relationship. Of course, the other participant in the couple faces these same choices. In the previous episode, we considered the four resulting possible combinations of partners in intimate relationship. Uncommitted with uncommitted, committed with uncommitted, uncommitted with committed, and committed with committed. We concluded that only two of these combinations are stable and are likely to be free of ongoing drama. Both members of the couple desiring to be in a mutually uncommitted relationship or both desiring to be in a mutually committed relationship. We also concluded that each member of the couple needs to know what they want out of the relationship. They need to clearly communicate their desires. They need to enforce boundaries that correspond to those desires, and their partner needs to respect those boundaries. Violating any of those conditions is likely to result in relationship turmoil. Based on the preceding considerations, let's assume that both members of an intimate couple know and support what each wants from the relationship. How did each participant decide what they want, especially from those who are in their set of core committed relationships? That's an easy question to ask, but a difficult one to answer. As humans, each of us is motivated by different things. However, we can group our high-level needs into relatively few basic categories, as I have done in my biology and psychology-inspired human information processing, or HIP, model of how we humans interact with our social and physical environment. Here are what I see as the basic categories of needs. 
There are physical needs, that is, needs for sustenance, food, water, air, temperature regulation. There's a need for shelter, rest, relaxation, sex, procreation, and touch. We also have social needs, such as acceptance and belonging, social interaction, and a feeling of social purpose, that is, motivation and social goals. We have an orientation toward our environment that includes curiosity and playfulness, as well as confidence and assertiveness. And we have an affective or feelings level assessment of the interactions with our environment. These consist of our perceptions of pleasure, which we pursue, of displeasure or pain, which we avoid, and of beauty or aesthetics. Each of us places different weights on each of these core needs, orientations, and assessment factors. That is, each person places more or less importance on a specific factor. For example, some people are highly motivated by physical comfort, meaning that their behavior is strongly driven by opportunities to pursue sustenance, shelter, or rest and relaxation. Of course, we all need each of those for our survival, but some people seem more motivated by physical luxuries. Other people have a strong sex drive, with that drive focused more on pleasure and connection than on procreation. Still others are very connected to their social environment. They have an exceptionally strong need to belong and to be accepted by peer groups, and they thrive on social interactions or psychically starve when deprived of social contact. As a final example, some people are strongly drawn to and satisfied by what they perceive as beauty, while others seem to be largely unaware of that elusive trait. Note that beauty is a somewhat puzzling trait from a human motivation perspective, but there is some neurobiological evidence that it evolved in humans as a way to assess the goodness or desirability of the things and interaction opportunities that we encounter, independent of whether those things are assessed as pleasurable or potentially painful or disadvantageous. The categories we've just reviewed constitute foundational level needs. One can relate those to the great variety of feelings, behaviors, and beliefs that can arise in our interactions with the world of things and people. As an example, companionship, respect, trust, intimacy, empathy, and love are all associated with our social needs for acceptance and belonging. Our sense of social purpose spawns our interest in becoming socially aware or conscious, in making contributions to society, in growing and learning, etc. On a physical footing, the satisfaction of our physical needs for sustenance, shelter, rest, and sex all contribute to our feelings of security, which in turn produces feelings of peace and harmony. A complicated web of connections exists between our relatively few foundational needs and the many layers of feelings, behaviors, and beliefs that are associated with those core needs. That can make it hard for us to identify the driving core need that may lurk beneath a feeling that we may experience. Connecting the dots between feelings and underlying needs lies in the domain of psychological analysis. That's one reason that all of us sometimes need and benefit from getting professional psychological help. Having completed this cursory tour of what core needs are, we can return to the question of what we as individuals seek in our core committed relationships. Everyone's map or menu of core needs is different. That means that each of us needs to come to know ourselves well enough to understand specifically what we want to gain through our core relationships. It's difficult to work this out in fine detail. Thankfully, it probably isn't necessary to get too detailed in choosing satisfying core relationships. We can probably pick partners by considering just the foundational level categories of needs. 
We can do that by asking ourselves a few questions such as the following. Regarding our physical needs, how much should my partners value physical luxuries and exotic experiences? Do I want to be with someone who's often on the move and restless or more relaxed? How interested should my partners be in sharing sexual and sensual experiences? How comfortable with and interested in touch should my partners be? How interested should my partners be in sharing the experiences of family? Regarding our social needs, we can ask ourselves questions such as, How important is it to me that my partners know, understand, and appreciate me? Am I looking for partners to have as life companions or just as fellow life explorers? How important is it that I feel trust and respect from my partners? Am I looking for partners who can and want to share a committed, intimate emotional connection with me, or just a solid but uncommitted mutual friendship? How important is it to me that my partners show understanding, cooperation, fairness, and good communication skills? And am I looking for partners who show high social consciousness, confidence, a desire to contribute to society, and an orientation toward personal growth and learning? Regarding our orientation in engaging with life, we can ask, am I looking for partners who are highly assertive, competitive, and dominant, or more receptive, cooperative, and accommodating? Do I want my partners to embrace novelty and a variety of experiences, or favor a life with high regularity, predictability, and comfort? Would I like my partners to be very playful, fun-loving, and appreciative of humor, or more serious-minded, serene, and deep? How much creativity and curiosity do I seek in my partners? How important is it for my partners to be joyful and full of inspiration? And finally, regarding our affective assessment, am I seeking partners who are very focused on pleasure-seeking? And do I need partners who show a strong sensitivity to and appreciation of beauty? While this certainly isn't an exhaustive list of questions that we can ask ourselves about our relationship desires, these few questions should give us a basic orientation as to what we need to seek in order to create stable and satisfying intimate relationships that fit us. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group, the Two Open Doors meetup group, and the Two Open Doors website and blog at twoopendoors.com. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors. 